0: This is the John Oakley
1: Show podcast. If you're crossing the border into the United States, uh, the Border Patrol uh, may want to know about your past use. Not since legalization, necessarily. And therein lies the rub. Many people feeling, well, it's legal now, and uh, maybe I'm crossing into Washington State. They've legalized it there, so I'm good to go. I'm hunky dory. Just, you know, be totally upfront, you know, and uh, talk about how you smoked your brains out in college or something like that. Bad idea. So it seems to be, uh, and joining me on the line right now is Len Saunders, Canadian-born lawyer, but he's based in Blaine, Washington, who would issue a major caveat, especially to boomers who think that honesty is the best policy. Len, how are you doing this afternoon? Fine. How are you, John? Likewise, fine. Uh, So you're based in Blaine, Washington. I'm guessing there's a a certain trade in uh, really counseling these boomers, especially coming in from Canada, where the marijuana issue is concerned. Uh, is that one something that you're noticing? There's a lot of traffic in this, no pun intended?
0: Well, exactly, it's funny. So what I'm seeing, it's interesting, because since legalization almost a year ago, what I've seen is that the Americans are now going after these older Canadians who they suspect maybe smoked cannabis in the 70s or 80s. Um, not the young people, because the young people, if they're smoking it now, it's legal in Canada, so there's nothing they can do to deny entry. To a young Canadian who's legally smoked it over the last year. So it's interesting how it's kind of changed to the older generation is now having issues at the U.S. ports of entry.
1: So if they're actually uh, okay with the younger uh, folks, you know, who might, let's say, uh, ostensibly have only started smoking or ingesting since the legalization, so there's no complaint there because it's legal here in this country. Uh, why is it then that the uh older folk are coming under increased scrutiny uh for past performance or uh past past use how how are they determining that
0: well I don't know if it's increased scrutiny but I'm definitely seeing it more often now than I did you know within the last three or four years um i i, I just think it it's an emphasis on uh kind of a group that in the past wasn't Kind of on the radar for the Americans. I don't know why they've started asking these older Canadians about past use, but it surprises me and it surprises the individuals when they get asked this question and they admit it, thinking, well, what's the problem now? It's legal in Canada, it's legal in many states, and then they get the lifetime bar and they're shocked.
1: Well, all right. Uh, They don't know that the uh, federal law still applies and uh, supersedes all these other state laws, I guess, that it's still uh, a controlled substance under U.S. federal law. So these folks that you're counseling now, if they've been denied entry, I mean, what do you tell them?
0: Well, I tell them what they should have said was nothing (laughs) when they were asked the question, right? I've, I've said, you don't want to lie to a U.S. border officer, But you have the right to not say anything. Don't self-incriminate. But most people think, well, it's fine. Like, it's been legalized uh, somewhat in the U.S., Canada-wide, it's been legalized. And so most of them are pretty shocked. And they say to me after I tell them, look, you know, you've got a lifetime bar and, you know, you've admitted to a past controlled substance violation. They all say to me, I wish I knew then what I know now.
1: Well, how is it then that uh, if... A border agent in the States asks you about past use, predating, of course, legalization almost a year ago. Uh, can you honestly say, I'd rather not answer that question?
0: Absolutely. You're better to say that and expect to be denied entry for not cooperating or answering a question uh-huh. than a lifetime bar. Right? It's the lifetime bars that you know all of these individuals are shocked that they receive after being honest at the border for something they did Decades ago.
1: Is there anything that can reverse a lifetime bar?
0: No. If you have admitted at a U.S. port of entry, under oath, to a controlled substance violation, it is a lifetime bar, period.
1: When you say under oath, are uh, we to assume that every time you're encountered uh, by a border guard, you are under oath?
0: No. So what happens is, is, you know, they'll sometimes just casually ask you. Um, and if you say yes, then they'll take you into secondary inspection, whether it's at an airport or the land port of entry. And it's actually a fairly lengthy process. They have to put you under oath. They have to read you the essential elements of the um, of the crime. So they have to go back to you know 1980 when when the person maybe admitted to smoking marijuana, and they have to do a knowingly, willingly under oath admission to a controlled substance violation. And then they're told at the end of the you know, it's usually like a three or four hour almost interrogation. By the way, you're not coming in today and you need a waiver. You now have a lifetime bar. And, you know,
1: people are shocked. Well, at any point, can you retract your statement and say, I was just kidding. Uh, I didn't really mean that. I mean, I, you're desperate at this point. <laughs> is, is there anything as a last resort that you could do uh, in maybe changing their mind or uh, not being on the hook?
0: Absolutely, because I've seen people go halfway through a sworn statement, and then they get to the point where they think, this is bad news, this isn't going very well, I want to stop answering any of these questions. It's rare that that happens, because most people don't realize the consequences, but some do, and those people who stop the interrogation mid, you know, not mid-sentence, but halfway through the, uh, the process, they will be denied entry, but they have not subjected themselves. To
1: a lifetime ban. All right, yeah. So uh, don't let the other shoe drop. Just at some point say, hey guys, I was clowning with you. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know I've never even seen the stuff and uh, then you might be good to go. But uh, for another day, you hope you get a more uh, amenable border guard. By the way, uh, would you ever advise these people to consult a lawyer? In other words, uh, when you know that maybe the ship is about to sail, can can you ask the border service there in the States or Homeland Security, can I call a lawyer? Is that a, a permissible thing to do?
0: It is not, and and the reason why is when you're seeking entry to the U.S., you have not been admitted to the U.S., so you have no right to legal counsel. So when people say, I want to speak to a lawyer, the officers say, you don't have the right. And so that's the problem. You're kind of on your own. Well,
1: uh, have you encountered clients perhaps who have had things seized, uh, you know, uh, at the border because of this, or uh, is it just denied entry?
0: Um, Well, for seizing, I've seen lots of Canadians either have cannabis seized because they forget that it's in their vehicle or in their purse. I've also seen recently a lot of the byproducts, the oils, the lotions. Uh, I had a gentleman who had a cookie with some THC in it. So I'm now starting to see not so much people admitting to it, but having the, the, the either cannabis or the byproducts on them. And that also creates a lifetime bar because it'll be seized. They'll then do what's called a ZT, a zero-tolerance fine of, let's say, $500. They'll then do a sworn statement and say, was this your cannabis oil? And the person will say yes, and now they also have a lifetime bar, just for being in possession of it.
1: So if it's in the car and you've got four people in the car, are all four barred?
0: Um, Normally what they'll do is they'll try to find out whose it is, and they'll say, look, if, if everybody... If no one uh, says it's theirs, then everybody is going to be barred. And so usually somebody says, I'll take the responsibility here.
1: I see. And so this has created almost a cottage industry. Uh, Well, I guess it's not uh, anything that you can do for them after they've already admitted, but uh, what you're really uh, counseling here is a preemptive type of approach and making sure that people are really uh, heads up and savvy about how to encounter a border guard who may be asking you these questions.
0: Well, exactly, and I've been saying this for many years. I went and spoke in front of the Canadian Senate about a year and a half ago. I've been on many news programs, and what I'm trying to do is warn fellow Canadians of these lifetime bars, whether you admit to smoking cannabis in the past, whether you have the product on you. I don't think the Canadian government has done a very good job at really advising Canadians of the lifetime travel implications that result. And it's not only an inconvenience, it costs a lot of money, not only on legal fees, but filing fees in order to overcome a lifetime bar and be granted a waiver.
1: And conversely, if somebody wants to bring pot into Canada, let's say they're a car and they've got uh, coming in from Blaine, Washington, for example, where it's still legal in Washington, uh, what are the rules against that?
0: Well, so I'm not a Canadian attorney, but what I understand is you can't bring it into Canada. So I'm like being able to come to the U.S. and go shopping for cheap milk or Amazon packages that you have sent to mail places along the border, Mm. if you do have cannabis from the U.S., it's my understanding you cannot take it into Canada, it'll be seized, but as a Canadian citizen, you can't be denied entry going back to Canada, only the
1: product. I see, only the product. Uh, Well, these are uh, words to uh, the wise if you're really actually thinking of doing this, which we wouldn't certainly uh, counsel, but uh, in any event, you should know exactly where you stand going in uh, and even coming out. So there you are. Well, what uh, I've
0: been telling, and I've been telling Canadians, buy it in Canada, leave it in Canada. If you want to buy it in the U.S., you're okay to buy cannabis, just like alcohol, 21-year-old. They don't ask for your citizenship or your status, so you can always buy it in the U.S., but once again, leave it in the U.S. So don't take anything back and forth over the border, cannabis-related.
1: Right, and if you you know you throw your joints out the window as you're about to cross the border, but the car's interior is still filled with that acrid smoke, what are your chances of getting into the U.S. of A.
0: Well, and that's where some of these cases start. These older Canadians, because they'll maybe smell some cannabis, and the person smokes it legally as an, you know as an adult recently, and. They'll ask, when did they start smoking cannabis? How many years ago? And these are the trigger factors that create these lifetime bars because they don't ask everyone. If, if the Americans were to ask every single Canadian whether they've used cannabis, not only would the lines be all the way up to the North Pole, but they'd be denied entry to probably 40% of Canadians. So it's not every single person. There's always a trigger and effect that seems to result in these further questions.
1: Yeah, one of those triggers is you got a Cheech and Chong cassette inside the deck, and you're laughing uproariously at Sergeant Stodanko, which I never did understand. But nonetheless, uh, that might give them the heads up that you're not entirely uh, in your right mind. Len, good to talk. I I know you you second that motion. Very good. Uh, I appreciate your time from Blaine, Washington, this afternoon. Thanks, John. Have a great night. And you, Len Saunders, Canadian-born lawyer, but he is based in Blaine, Washington.